Hello, hola, minglaba, bonjourno, bonjour, kumusta, and ohayo gozaimasu. Welcome to this podcast, Let's Keep It Colloquial, where we keep it colloquial. I'm Avery, a kid from Maryland, a linguistics nerd, and a strong esthete of, well, boobs. Today we're diving into the conversation of knockers, so fasten your seatbelts and bras, and let's get colloquial. Okay, before we get started with the actual content you're here for, I'd like to share some thoughts and disclaimers. I am by no means anywhere close to a professional linguist. As of right now, I'm living out the summer before my freshman year of college where I'll only be minoring in linguistics. This podcast is just a passion side project inspired by the many questions my friends and I have about our modern, everyday language, and I'm ecstatic to have finally brought it to full fruition. And hopefully as I indulge in my studies in college, I'll have more insight for some future episodes. But yeah, thank you again for listening, and I hope you enjoy. So my friend Steven sent this post to our group chat that I believe was created by Twitter user at PixieThing. It said, and I quote, Boob is too funny, tit is too aggressive, and breast is too formal. End quote. And being my overly analytical self, I thought I'd write a whole 376-word essay about it while on the toilet just seconds after receiving the text in our group chat. So, here's a podcast version on my take on why boob is just so funny and tit is just so aggressive. Let's start with the phonemic breakdown of each term. The word tit contains the t sound, which is an alveolar voiceless plosive. Try saying that 10 times fast. Due to its placement and lack of vocal cord usage, it sounds sharp or aggressive. This has been shown through the famous Buba Kiki experiment conducted by V. S. Ramachandran, a neuroscientist and professor at the University of California, San Diego, and his grad student, Edward Hubbard, back in 2001. The experiment was actually modeled directly off of Wolfgang Kohler's experiment in 1929, in which he studied the non-arbitrary mapping between speech sounds and object shapes. He took two shapes, one jagged and one round, and asked a group of participants from the island of Tenerife to associate one with either the made-up word taquete or baluba. Take a second to associate them yourself. One jagged shape and one round shape. The words taquete and baluba. Was that enough time? Well, results showed that most participants associated the jagged shape with taquete and the round one with baluba. In the 1947 version of the experiment, the word baluba switched to maluma, which is the current name of the experiment, taquete and maluma. But either way, you can imagine the same or similar outcome. Now let's backtrack to that first experiment that I mentioned by Ramachandran and Hubbard. They took that same exact concept that Kohler used, but used completely different made-up words. They had two shapes, one jagged and one round, but these two new words were booba and kiki. Now, you want to take another second to try it out yourself? Two shapes, booba, kiki. All right, results showed that most participants associated the one with jagged edges with kiki and the one that was round with booba. And chances are you probably had the same results for this too. Now, why is that? Well, Ramachandran and Hubbard thought it was due to the connections between the sensory and motor parts of our brains. They've worked with synesthesia, which in the most baseline explanation I can give you is essentially the overlapping of senses. So they're basically pros at this overlapping neural connections thing. And with this experiment, they figured that the visual shape of the object, which engages the sensory part of our brain, is linked to the shapes our mouths make when we try to say each word, which engages the motor part of our brain. Now this ties back to what you came here for, titties and boobies. 
let's review that the word tit contains the t sound, which is, again, an alveolar voiceless plosive. The k sound in kiki is similar in the sense that it's a velar voiceless plosive. And both the t and k sounds appear in the word takete as well. And both boob and booba and even baluba use the b consonant, which is a bilabial voice consonant. And a little side note about that, bilabial means two lips, and when you pronounce b, it's using both your lips. Wow. Naming conventions. The difference between voice consonants like b, d, and g, and voiceless consonants like p, t, and k, is that the voice consonants require the engagement of the vocal cords, while the voiceless consonants do not. And this makes the voiceless consonants sound narrow, sharp, and airy, and thus t and k are seemingly aggressive. The engagement of the vocal cords along with the diaphragm and whatever else your body uses to produce a voice gives voice consonants that fuller, rounder sound, so b is a lot fuller. And please feel free to try it out yourself. The voice consonants, again, are b, d, and g. You can feel it resonating in the back. And the voiceless consonants are p, t, and k. Very forward. And you can do some really shitty beatboxing with that. Okay, I'm done. The vowel sounds in each pairing have similar placements as well. Both the i in tit and the e in kiki are forward placed vowels. This kind of makes them sound narrow and nasally again, which gives them another bit of an aggressive quality. It just jabs forward. And the oo in boob and booba, that's a backwards place vowel, which gives them another round quality. It makes them sound less aggressive and, well, rounder. Again, try it out for yourself. Try saying i or e, and notice which parts of your mouth are engaged. Now, try saying oo and notice that the backwards parts of your mouth are engaged. It's not as forward and in your face and nasally as the other two. And it's just like singing. Musical theater is a lot different from opera. Musical theater sounds punchy, while opera sounds grand. And it's because when you're singing in musical theater, the placement is very forward, while opera and traditional choirs like to lift the soft palate. Thank you to my high school choir teacher for drilling that into my brain. So yeah, there might be neural connections that connect the way that we say things with the way that we perceive the qualities of things with the way that things are shaped. Isn't that so cool? And there are other theories as well, but that's the one I'm diving into for today. So if you want to look things up yourself, I would recommend it. Go ahead. It's a whole wormhole of good stuff. But I do want to raise another point of why tit is so aggressive and boob is so funny. The cultural significance and etymology have an impact on the comprehension as well. The term tit, meaning nipple or breast, originates from Old English, which was further inherited from Proto-Germanic. It's a variant of the word tit, which is from the Old French word tit, or the Greek word titis. But going back to the word tit, in simple terms, it's English. In the 1970s, the British and Americans started using the term tit colloquially to sexualize women, and that really hasn't changed since considering how much women are still sexualized today, and it's just awful, but I digress. Over time, it's just been reinforced as an almost dehumanizing term for something that just describes a body part. It's crude. Also, I'd like to point out the fact that tit can double as an insult. Some argue that it's because of its sexist meaning, but others say that it's because it sounds a lot like twit, which is another British slang term from the 1930s for a foolish or silly person. 
It may have come from the verb twit, which means to reproach, or it may have taken influence from nitwit, which means a stupid person. Nit means nothing from German or Yiddish, which both come from Middle Low German, and wit means mental capacity. Nit, wit, no mental capacity. But yeah, tits. As you can see, it's not a favorable word. It's sexual, it's insulting, it's dehumanizing, and in its unironic usage, it's creepy. I don't know about you, but the only people I can imagine using tits unironically these days are creepy old white men. So it's just a grossly aggressive word with a gross history. As for the term boob, you might be wondering to yourself, Ave, if tit is aggressive because it's an insult, why is boob not aggressive? Because that can be an insult too. And I kind of wonder the same thing, but I also kind of think it's because of the same reason because people like to sexualize women, but let's look at it another way. It's an abbreviated version of the word booby, which etymologists argue comes from baby talk and from the word bubby, which is a child speak variation of pupa, the Latin translation of little girl. But babies, of course, don't know Latin, unless they do, which is cool, but most others don't, so something like buh or bub is easier for them to say instead of something like, mother, I request that you provide your breasts as I need sustenance in Latin. And the whole point of that explanation was just to say that it's a childish word. It's made by babies, for babies, and who doesn't love to act like a little kid or baby every now and then? Boob. Boobies. <laughs> it really is that funny. And that concludes this first episode of Let's Keep It Colloquial. Thank you so, so, so much for listening. If you have any thoughts, comments, concerns, suggestions, and even other perspectives on this topic or any other episode for this podcast, please feel free to DM me on Instagram at ave.mo. That's A-V-E dot M-O-E on Instagram. Again, I'm no professional and I'm always down to learn more and to listen to what you think. I plan to post weekly, so I'll hopefully see you again next week where we'll keep it colloquial. Again, thank you, gracias, chesitemate, grazie, merci, salamat, and arigato gozaimasu. Bye!